Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Let's all just bow our heads right now and let's just pray before I open God's word to us. Let's ask the Lord just to speak to us today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything that we have been a part of so far this morning. Thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the missionaries, Lord God, that I know that are serving you, Lord, all around this world. I thank you for our boys and girls, Lord, and what they are doing, Lord, to help those missionaries. I thank you for this church, Lord, and I thank you for your word. God is going to speak to our hearts, challenge us, give us strength, Lord, to live by, to walk out this journey of faith, Lord. We just praise you this morning. We ask that you just come and make your word alive in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, guys. Praise the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to go back there again. We were there last week. If you didn't get some notes, there were notes in your bulletin. If you want to pull those notes out, it may help you just to engage the Word of God this morning. I want you to be able to walk out of here knowing that you have, that you have not only felt instruction, but you have felt inspiration by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just from my words, but it's what the Holy Spirit speaks to you between the distance of what I say and your ears, because the Holy Spirit, that's His, that's his uh, space. And we know that He speaks to us, amen? He speaks through His Word. In Hebrews chapter 11, the first verse, the writer writes this. He says this. He says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Juanita, if you'd help me on the screen here, I want you to just show, tell me what, you, what the first thing it is that you see when you look at this next image, Okay. What do you see? What do you see? Now take it off. How many of you see an old lady? Raise your hand. You saw an old lady. Raise your hand. It's okay. We're going to participate. You saw an old lady. How many of you saw a young lady? Let's take a look at it again. Who sees the young lady? Who sees the old lady? Who can't see the old lady? Just keep looking at it. Oh, there it is. There it is. Your sight, your eyeballs, are actually, what they do is they simply perceive Reality. It is a perception of reality that is assumed to be true based on what practically works. Okay? Can I take that off the screen by now? Has everybody kind of saw, saw both of them? You still have it? My wife is still... Co- you can't see which one? You can't see the lady? Let, don't, okay, the... That's her nose down there. The tip, the chin of the young lady is the bottom of the nose of the old lady. Do we see it yet? You know what? I can't spend my message on this, okay? This is not. I see it now. Somewhere the Holy Spirit between my mouth and her eyeballs now. Your sight is a perception of reality that's assumed to be true. In less than one-tenth of a a second, what happens is light waves are reflected off of that screen. They are flipped upside down. They are reversed. They are converted into electronic impulses and reinterpreted and finally projected onto your visual cortex so that you understand the image that you are seeing. But I'll just tell you this. That one-tenth of a second is too long. So what happens in a picture like this is your brain takes a shortcut. Your brain either takes a shortcut or makes up something completely on its own. 
Because what your brain does is it has to shorten that one-tenth of a second down to so when your eyes see it, you immediately try to understand what it is. Well, there can be two pictures just like what you saw. Your brain takes that shortcut and you assume the reality of that is a young girl with her face turned away from me. But it could be an old woman with her face down, facing, facing down. It's the same way on how we perceive faith. Some people see faith in one way, and other people see faith in another way. Others see it totally different. Some people see faith and identify a person who is powerful in faith, while others may recognize another person that they seem to be powerful in faith. Or they turn faith into whatever they mean it to be, just like what our brain does. Most often what we do, though, when it comes to faith, is we organize faith based on levels that we understand. We see faith as a tool that is used to develop our purpose. But let me tell you what faith truly is. Faith is not a tool that we use to, for our purposes. Faith is a tool that God uses for His purposes. And the faith comes through us. So this morning, let me just give you some descriptions of, of what faith looks like and help you to better understand. There's five descriptions that you'll find in Scripture about faith. The first one you can see is the measure of faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says that everyone is given in accordance to the measure of their faith. God's given them a measure of faith. Did you know that without a small measure of faith, it's impossible for you to even get saved? Without faith, it's impossible for you to even know God. You can't, you can't know God unless that faith is there to, to enact God's grace. Do you know where the grace of God comes from? It comes from God. Do you know where the faith that you have to see the grace of God comes from? It comes from God too. Every person is given a measure of faith. And let me tell you something. It doesn't take a lot of faith to change the circumstances in your life. Matthew 17 says that all it takes is the faith the size of a mustard seed. A mustard seed could sit on the tip of your finger and you could barely even notice it. It's so small. It doesn't take a lot. But there is a measure of faith that God gives every person. So if you're here this morning, let me just tell you, you have a measure of faith that is capable of transforming your life. If you don't know Jesus, it can transform your life in salvation. If you have a measure of faith, it can transform the, the, uh, the, what is needed in your life to perform a miracle. God can do it in your life. There is a measure of faith. So don't say, you know what, I just don't know if I have enough faith to believe. God has given you the faith to believe. And you can have it. You can be transformed by it. Then you have another, another type of description of faith, and it's just common faith. He calls it common faith in Titus 1.4. He says to Titus, my true child, in common faith. Common faith. Romans chapter 1 verse 12 says that faith is used to, for mutually encouraging one another. Did you know something that is so unique about faith? Is that faith has a fraternal component to it. What do I mean? I mean that it increases as it is around its own kind. It increases, there is a fraternal component about faith. When you gather people of faith, that faith grows from each individual person. You put a bunch of mustard seeds together, let me tell you, you've got a significant amount of faith there that can transform not just the, the person, but it can transform an environment and a city and a nation because faith is common. And he says, Paul tells 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 uh, young Titus, he says, look, you are a true child in common faith. We can mutually encourage one another in common faith. Then there's growing faith. There's growing faith. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul describes this. He says, I thank God for you rightly so because your faith is growing more and more. It is faith that is on the move. All faith, hear me, all faith is active faith. There is no such thing as passive faith. All faith is active faith. It is practical. It is useful. It is pragmatic. It is active. It is always working. James 2.17 says that faith by itself can accomplish, that is not accompanied by, act, by action, is dead. Faith without works is dead. It doesn't work. If it doesn't act... It isn't faith. 
Faith is always active. It is constantly growing. It's kind of like the pedals on the bicycle as you're, as you're riding up the mountain of God and you are, you are moving closer to Him. Faith is what the pedals are made out of. As you pedal, you are growing closer to the Lord. But if your faith ever stops, what does a bicycle do that's on an incline? It starts going the other direction. Then you, you don't have faith because you can't grow. Growing and faith always work hand in hand. So if you're growing as a Christian, your faith is growing as a Christian. If you are, if you are ingesting the Word of God into your heart, if you're coming to church, are you being encouraged in common faith among us? God has placed that measure of faith in you to receive Him. Let me tell you something. You have that faith that is growing in your life because faith is constantly on the move. Fourth, is just what we call great faith. Great faith. A couple of illustrations of great faith. How many of you remember the story of the centurion? In Matthew chapter 8, there's a story of the centurion soldier, this Roman soldier who had a sick servant. And he approached Jesus by sending another man of his company saying, Hey, look, I want you to, to go and I want you to ask Jesus if he would heal my servant. He gave these words. He said, he said, look, I am a man with authority, with soldiers under me. And when I say to one, go, he goes. When I say to one, come, he comes. And he says this. He said, Lord, if you will just say the word, my servant will be healed. You don't have to come to my house, Lord. You don't have to put your hands up. You don't have to do anything. All you need to do, Lord, is just speak the word. That's all that's required. And what does Jesus say about this man in Matthew chapter 8, verse 10? He says, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Just trusting the word of God. That's what that great faith is. really. Just whatever the Lord says, that is enough for me. I don't have to have all of the, of, of the evidence. I don't have all, have all of the pieces put together. All I know is that if God says it, it is good for He's good for it. I have faith in that. Faith is built upon facts. The fact is, is that God is good at His word. He keeps His promises. There's another story. In Matthew chapter 15, over a few more chapters, of a Canaanite woman whose, whose daughter is very sick. And she says, Lord, would you please heal my daughter? She was Canaanite. She, wasn't, she was a Gentile. She wasn't under the, under the Jewish order. And, and so she approached Jesus and, and she was rebuffed by the disciples. Even Jesus he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the, to the Jewish people. I'm working among these people right now. And she said, oh, Lord, even the dogs, even the ones who are outside your chosen group, even we get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And it stopped Jesus in his tracks. And what did Jesus say in verse 28? He says, woman, you have great faith. You have great faith. Great faith, because we know whose faith, that our faith, who it trusts in, who it, who it is placed in, that is great faith. And then finally, there's another one. Strong, unwavering faith. Strong, unwavering faith. Romans chapter 5 describes this. He says, Talking about Abraham, he describes this in verse 20, or Romans chapter 4, verse 20. He says, just talking about Abraham, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, for he knew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. He grew strong in his faith. Strong in his faith. And Hebrews jumps on top of that idea in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. He says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, without going back and forth, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. You can have faith because the one that you have put your faith in, you don't have to rock back and forth because he won't rock back and forth. He's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. And what he says is true. What God says is true. James talks about those who waver back and forth. 
He says, you're like a wave tossed by the sea. You just go this way and you go that way. He said, that person is filled with doubt. And they shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. He goes on and he says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You think you can do it this way. And you think maybe God's good for it here, but he's not good for it there. Let me tell you something, friends. You won't receive anything from God. Because what we need is that faith that's strong that says, you know, no matter what comes my direction in my life, no matter what shows up on my front porch, I will not waver in my faith. I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm not turning back. That's really what it means. Is that when we decide to follow the Lord, we don't negotiate that question over again, ever. When I decided to to follow Jesus and the call of God. I didn't go back and negotiate that. The Lord settled it. And so we don't waver. We, are, we stay strong in our faith. Resolved. So when you look in Hebrews chapter 11, you find some uniqueness there. This chapter describes faith in all five descriptions, each life being transforming. Look at it with me. And I'm not going to give you the verses, but in Hebrews 11, he, he mentions the Rahab, the prostitute. But even the prostitute had a measure of faith that brought salvation to her and her entire family. Didn't have to be much. She didn't have to be much. Let me tell you, friends, you don't have to be much for God to love you and to save you and to transform your infam. You don't have to bring a lot to the table. Matter of fact, you don't bring anything to the table. He brings it all, and he says, it's yours if you want it. Rahab was a prostitute, but she had a measure of faith. The common people of faith, that common faith is what everybody had as they walked around the walls of Jericho. That's mentioned in Hebrews 11. It's all of those people just united together. We're going to walk around this wall because Joshua said something amazing is going to happen. We'll just keep walking around. It was the faith of the people. It doesn't say that it was the faith of Joshua. It doesn't say it was the horn blowers. It doesn't say that it was the priests. It was the faith of the people in Hebrews chapter 11. Common faith. He talks about in chapter 11, of Hebrews, he says there's growing faith. The growing faith of Abraham. Let me tell you, Abraham didn't have it all figured out when God said, I want you to go. He failed on numerous occasions, but he stayed at it. He stayed on the journey. Moses didn't have it all figured out when God first confronted him at the burning bush. He made mistakes, but he kept on going because his faith was growing daily. And then I want you to look at verse 33 of Hebrews chapter 11 with me. Verse 33, you can see a, a picture of those who had great faith. Let me read it for you. Great faith of those who through faith subdued kingdoms. Wow, that's great faith. Who worked righteousness, obtained promises, who stopped the mouths of lions. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Great faith. Verse 34, who quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Wow, these are people of great faith. Look at what happened. Praise God for those stories. But then you come across in chapter 11, another group. It's the group described as those strong, unwavering individuals. Look at verse 35. Others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain, obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains, imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins with being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Some people would look at that and they'd say, you know, no, no, this last group, They may have had a high level of faith at some point in their life, but man, that was a weak moment. I mean, look what happened to them. They would have had faith. They wouldn't have got sawn in two. They wouldn't have got thrown in prison. If they'd have had faith. They would have gotten past all that. They would have gotten through with that. But let me just tell you, friends, and remind you that the Bible does not say anything about when you have faith, you don't have problems. 
Actually, it's the opposite. Let me just give you this truth. Our circumstances, our circumstances don't determine our faith. They expose our faith. The circumstances you have in your life don't determine how much faith you have. It exposes the faith that you have. And how you operate in the middle of that circumstance is a great visual for us to understand, God, where we need to move and grow and what we need to continue peddling. Because it was the faith of those people in that last section that carried them through the difficult trials. It was the faith, the unwavering, strong, stable, not wishy-washy, negotiable faith. It was the solid, firm, stable faith that helped them to stand as they were burned at the stake. It was the strong, unwavering faith that these people had who let them be thrown to lions, who kept them from denying God in the midst of the persecution and the threats of death. It was, it was the circumstances that exposed their faith as being stable and firm and solid and unwavering, capable to endure any trial. We're going to saw you in two. That's all right. We're going to burn you at the stake. It's okay. My faith is intact. As your pastor, if I were honest, I would probably tell you that this last description of faith is the one that I most certainly am concerned about when it comes to the people in our church. Because I know what life can do to us. I know what life can hand us. Life can hand you and I a bag full of just dirty clothes, soiled. Just Life can hand us all kinds of issues that seem to overwhelm us. Life can come at us a hundred miles an hour and we're just standing there. And we know what it's like when you get the good news and you get the bad report. There are people in our church I've gotten to know, and they've shown through the trials of their life, it has exposed their faith in God. Man, some of you, in my book, you're heroes. You're heroes. You've wrestled with things in your family that, God, I don't know how you do it. I just know that you've got faith because you've pressed forward. You've lost children. You've lost health. You've lost family members to, to the world. You've, you've lost finances. You've lost your livelihood. You've lost all types of things. But yet I see some of you and I know that your faith is firm. It's solid. You stood the test. You've been exposed as being a person of faith. And I encourage you. I cheer you on. I say praise God for there are some people who still know what it means to just be unwavering, not a wave passing forth. You are solid. You are steady. You are certain in your faith. Praise God for you. I encourage you all the more. Keep going. Keep going. Understand this. There are some other descriptions, and I want to just kind of flesh those out in three ways. Real quickly, next few moments, I just want to talk just a few minutes. Just give me a few. About lions, earthquakes, and old bones. Lions, earthquakes, and old bones. When you look at faith through the Scripture, you see several instances where faith came in contact with lions. If you go to Judges chapter 14, verse 5, you'll see that Samson 
this incredible man of strength encountered a lion. He's walking down the road. The Bible says that Samson, this huge man full of incredible strength, muscles ripping out of his, of his chest and his arms, strutting around because he's just big and bad. But it was all because of the Lord, wasn't it? He's just walking one day down the road. And the Bible says that out of nowhere, a lion jumps out and attacks him. And what does he do? He grabs that lion. And I don't know how he does it, but this lion... He grabs that lion and tears it apart. He throws one part of the lion one way and the other part of the lion the other way. Bring on the lions, Samson says. Faith. Faith will kill a lion. There's another story in 1 Samuel chapter 17 of another young man. He's sitting in the war chambers in the war room of the King Saul. Out on the battlefield stands a huge giant. His name is Goliath. He's defying the armies of God. He's cursing. He's speaking all types of vile about the people of God. He is, he is, he is cursing the name of God. Man, that runs through David like cold water down his spine. He walks into the king's chambers and he says, let me go fight that old dog out there. Saul says, why should I let you? You're just a kid. Why should I let a kid like you go out there and fight a giant like that? And he said, let me tell you something, king. There was a time when I was a shepherd for my father's flocks. And when I was a shepherd, you can see this in verse 34, 35. Read it, because some of you have missed the detail. He says, when I was a shepherd, there were times when lions and even bears would come. And they would attack. And they would take a sheep. They would actually latch on to that sheep. And I can just see it as you read those verses. They start trotting and carrying that sheep off that I was responsible for. He said, I said, no, that's not going to happen. David said, I chased that lion down with my rod and my staff that comfort me. And I tapped that old lion right across the nose till he dropped that, lion, that, that lamb. And he said, when he did that and he turned on me, he said, I slew that lion. The, in verse 35, he says, I grabbed him by the beard or I grabbed him by the mane and I beat him to death with my bare hands. Woo, talk about faith. I beat that lion with my bare hands. Oh, I wish I could get my hands around the devil's neck every once in a while. Come on, somebody. That lion roaming around seeking whom he may devour. Sometimes we need to just grab him by the beard and jerk him down and just start tearing him apart using the word of God and saying, Thus saith the Lord, you are nothing but a liar. Begin to break the, the, the neck of that lion with the Word of God. That's how you win those battles, friends. You just start tearing the devil apart. Because I'm telling you, the devil likes to come to you and lie to you. He likes to tell you, you ain't worth it. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care anything about you. He's going to let this tragedy develop. You're going to lose your kids. You're going to lose your business. You're going to lose your livelihood. It's a nothing but a lie. You start claiming the Word of God over him. Don't allow him to beat you up. Take him and choke him down and break him apart. You can do it with the Word of God. David, he didn't plan on going lion hunting that day, but let me tell you something. The lion came anyway. Samson just walking down the road. He didn't plan on having to fight a lion that day. But the lion jumped out on him. Let me tell you something. You may just be on an ordinary, regular old day. You're not planning on fighting a lion. But my friend, you better be ready. Because when the lion jumps out, you've got the ability and the power and the faith to overcome him. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. 
First John chapter 4, we are made overcomers even by our faith. There are great faith moments that occur sometimes when you're not even worried about them. And can I just probably tell you this? The greatest faith moments that will ever happen in your life will not come when you're out hunting one. It will be in regular, ordinary days. You're not out looking for a miracle. You're just serving God unwavering, strong, steady faith. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere... God comes through. But if you look, there's another lion mentioned in Scripture. I'm going to hurry. Because in Daniel chapter 6, you see a lion in a lion's den. You know the story. Darius, the king, he had been tricked into writing this law that said that there won't be any more prayer. Basically, that's what it said. Well, what did Daniel do? He ignored that law. And can I just tell you, if they ever try to pass a law like that, you've got my permission to just go ahead and ignore that law. Kids, you can ignore the law that says you can't pray in school. Just pray all you want to. I dare them to do anything about it. You just pray. And that's what Daniel did. He began to pray. Well, of course, they brought him in before King Darius, threatened him. Daniel said, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. The king was bound. Darius was bound by the law. He had to punish him because of his, because of his illegal activity. So Darius, before he sends him to the lion's did that evening, it was in the evening, he looked at Daniel and he said these words in Daniel chapter 6. He said, may your God whom you serve continually, may he deliver you. The God that's just not an on-again, off-again relationship, Daniel, you serve God continually. It's a daily thing. It's not something fresh and new. You know, every Sunday, you go from Sunday to Sunday afternoon, and then it's off Monday, and you come back to church, and all of a sudden, you man, I'm, I'm in it. We go. It is a daily opportunity to serve the Lord. That's what Daniel did. And he gave the orders, and he tossed Daniel into that den of lions. The Bible is very specific. It says, it describes what Darius did. We lose the story of Daniel and we go to the story of Darius in Daniel chapter 6, the king that threw, that threw Daniel into the lion's den. And it says that, that Darius was disturbed in his heart. And it says that he couldn't sleep. And finally, early in the morning, he jumps up out of bed and he runs down to where Daniel had been thrown into that den of lions because he knew in his heart that it was a wrong thing to do, but he was bound to do it. And he goes down to check on Daniel. And let me tell you, wouldn't it have been a great story if Darius would have got to the ledge of that pit and he would have said, Daniel, Daniel, are you alive? From the bottom of that pit, he hears the voice of Daniel. Of course I'm alive, king. Why don't you take a look at all these dead lions and parts scattered all over the floor down here? Of course, I destroyed them with my bare hands. Come take a look, King Darius. I'm a man of faith. That's not what happened, is it? What do you think Daniel did that night he was tossed into that lion's den? I can tell you what I think he did. I think he laid down and went to sleep. It was nighttime after all. He'd been praying most of the day. Why not just take an opportunity to get some rest? Can I just give you this truth to you right now? It takes just as much faith to sleep with a lion as it does to kill one. It takes just as much faith to sleep with a lion as it does to kill one. People always think that these killing lions and the Samson and the David, man, that they, man, I'm telling you, that's strong faith. Let me tell you what kind of faith it takes to lay down next to a lion and close your eyes and say, it is well with my soul. Woo! You got to catch that truth. You got to catch it. Because sometimes we don't get to grab the lion by the throat and destroy him. Sometimes we have to sleep next to them. Now, I'm not talking about your wife, brother. <laughs> Ma'am, I'm not talking about that fuzzy, bearded husband of yours either. 
Sometimes the circumstances in our life force us to have to sleep right next to the problems that, we are, that, we are, that will threaten our very life, that will take our livelihood and ruin our business. And we have to sleep and we have to rest our, ourselves in the safety of knowing it is well with my soul. The Lord will keep me and provide for me and take care of me. That is unwavering faith. That is stable, strong faith. When you can go to sleep and rest in the presence of your enemies, he's prepared your table. Lions. Lions. When you lay your head down tonight and you're struggling with problems and things that are just rolling over your, your mind and your insides are just all tied up in knots, May God give you the best rest that you have ever had. And you say, Lord, I have placed this in your hands. Stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about those, 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 uh, your children. You have to at some point say, Lord, I give them to you, Lord. I rest in knowing that you are going to work it out. You're going to give me some information. Got to get Pastor Chris to help me turn that off. He's the go-to guy for me. Lions. In Acts chapter 16, we see something else. It's an earthquake. Paul and Silas are beaten. I'm going to go through this really quickly. They're beaten and they're, they're thrown in prison. To be honest, it's hard to find a worse situation in the New Testament than what Paul and Silas found themselves in that night in that prison. And it's because they were beaten so severely that when they threw them in the prison, they weren't laying down on their backs. They had to sit up because they couldn't lay back. It was, it was too painful. They found themselves sitting in the inner circles of that prison with their feet and hands in stocks and in chains. And you know the story. At midnight, they began singing, praying and singing is what the Scripture said. They were praying and singing hymns to God. Did you know that in every circumstance that presents itself to your life, you have a choice of two things. You can either sing through it or you can complain by, about it. Let me tell you, it turns out a whole lot better if you'll just get a, a fresh new song and start singing to the Lord. Paul and Silas, they did sing. But the hymn of choice was not, Swing low, sweet chariot. It wasn't, it wasn't some song that was, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. That, that, that's not the song that they began to sing. They began to sing songs of faith. And as they did, you know the story. They began to belt it out. As they began to belt it out, the circumstances begin to expose their faith. God surprised them with an incredible miracle, the miracle of an earthquake. It shook that entire prison. Now here's what I want you to understand. When that prison started shaking, the ground that Paul and Silas were sitting on started shaking too. They weren't sitting there on their Hind in watching everything shake. They were in the middle of the shaking. They were looking at the ceiling hoping that it would stay above them. They were looking at the walls hoping that the walls wouldn't collapse on top of them. They were in the midst of this shaking. But something about this shaking was unique. It began to break chains loose break bonds and stocks that were secured to the floor loose let me tell you when god begins to do something in your life you will be and experience the earthquake yourself but if you will continue to have faith in the middle of the earthquake what god is going to do is he's going to shake the things loose that need to be shaken and he is going to mature the things that need to be matured he will shake those things that bind us and hold us 
while holding our faith secure, keeping the ceiling above us, the ground beneath us, and the walls around us, and the doors will become wide open for us. Now, that wasn't the last time that Paul went into prison. As a matter of fact, when Paul was sent to Rome, he was in handcuffs. He was, he was a prisoner. At that time, there was no earthquake. No earthquake came. And some would think that in the book of Timothy, that Paul would have said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have lost the faith. Because there's no earthquake. Still a captive, still a prisoner. That's nothing what happened. That is nothing what happened. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Whether the earthquake comes or doesn't come, I will stay steady. In an immoral world, I will live a moral life. In an ungodly world, I'll live a, a godly life. In a dishonest world, I'll live an honest life. In a world that mocks me and beats me and persecutes me, I will live a life of godliness and righteousness. My faith is secure. No matter where the if the earth shakes beneath my feet. Let me tell you, He is the God of the earthquake that can change everything around you, but He's also the God who is present in ever-present help in time of trouble. He's there with you. Let me close with this. In Hebrews chapter 22, give me a couple minutes. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, he talks about Joseph. Now, you guys know, know who Joseph was. He was an incredible guy. He, 30 qualities of Joseph that ex- exemplify the, the, the type of Christ. He's a Christ figure in the Old Testament. He's one of only three people in the entire Bible where nothing negative is spoken about him, the others being Samuel and, and uh, Daniel. Nothing evil is spoken about Joseph. At the age of 17, he was taken away from his family, from his home, from all of his friends. And between the age of 17 and the age of 30, no one was there with Joseph. Nothing good came to him. Nothing good. He had a tough life. Those those 13 years of his life were just an absolute blank. Nobody came to Joseph in those years, patted him on the back, said, hang in there, Joe, you're going to make it. Instead, he was treated like a piece of property. Potiphar's wife thought she owned him when he refused her. And years begin to pass. Tossed in jail. Falsely accused, unjustly imprisoned. But he never lost sight of God. He didn't waver. His faith was certain. He was brought before Pharaoh. You know the story. He interpreted the dreams of the butler. He interpreted the dreams of the baker. And he was brought before Pharaoh who had four dreams. And he interpreted all four of those dreams. In those dreams, he interprets that there's going to be a time of plenty. There's going to be a time of famine. And he did everything that he was asked of Pharaoh that he could have done. And God began to show favor upon him. He told Pharaoh the plan to save Egypt, what to do. And Pharaoh made these words. You don't see this anywhere else in Scripture about a Pharaoh talking about people of God. He says, There is no one else that can find a man in whom the Spirit of God is. He recognized, the world recognized the faith of this man. And so centuries later, when the book of Hebrews was compiled and Hebrews chapter 11 was written, we expect to hear the name Joseph. By faith, Joseph. This is what we would expect to hear. By faith, Joseph interpreted the dreams 
of the great of great significance and for the future of Pharaoh. By faith, Joseph provided a plan that saved a nation and all of his people. That's what we expect to see, but we don't see that. What we see in verse 22 of Hebrews 11 is this. That Joseph gave a commandment that concerning his bones. Joseph talked about his dead bones. How strange. All the incredible things you could have said about this man, he talks about his bones. He says, I want you to take my bones from this place. Because, and here was the faith, because you will not always be here. Well, now that's a statement of faith. You're, you're not going to always be in the situation, that, the circumstance that you're in now, you're not always going to be in that. I want you to take my bones with you when you leave. And in Genesis chapter 50, the end of that chapter in verse 24, he says, when I die, God will visit you and bring you out. He was expressing this expression of hope, an incredible expression of faith. And sure enough, he died. And in Egypt, they placed him in a coffin. And this was after the times the pyramids were there. They had some incredibly talented, smart people in Egypt. They embalmed him. They mummified him. The only thing that was left years later was just his bones. 400 years went by. 400 years went by and a young man named Moses shows up on the scene. He has a busy time in Egypt. There was plagues, there was flies, there was frogs. It was back and forth. It was crazy. But finally, Pharaoh says, I want you to let all these people go. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 19, Scripture makes a very important addition there. He says... And Moses took the bones of Joseph. Over 400 years earlier, Joseph was the one talking about his own bones. Please, God, don't leave my bones. And this is not where I belong. This is not my home. Moses was faithful to remember that, that commitment, and he carried his bones. When he walked out of Egypt, they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Now, I, I just in my mind, I think of it like this. Somebody backpacked those bones around for 40 years. Everywhere they went, he's walking and those bones are just rattling around back there. Whether they were on a cart or in a backpack, I don't know. But he carried those bones because... One of our patriarchs said, we would not always be in this situation. One of these days, we're going home. And he said, I'm going to carry these bones wherever we have to go. It's my job. And if I can't do it and I die, then my son will take my job. He's going to carry these bones because he made a statement of faith that one of these days, this will not be my circumstance. And it's going to be different. Finally, Moses dies. A young general named Joshua takes over. And in Joshua chapter 24, verse 32, the Bible says, and they took the bones of Joseph and they buried him in Canaan. He made it. He made it. Friends, that's our confession. That's our confession of faith. Those old bones, they made it exactly where he said they were going to go. They ended up there. That's what faith does. Let me tell you something about faith. Faith is a declaration to future generations. I'll guarantee you backpacking that bag of bones for 40 plus years, I'll guarantee it had an impact on the old backpacker. 
It had such an impact that 400 years until Moses showed it, it had an impact on him. He said, hey, guys, I don't know where they are. Where's old Joseph's bones? we got to take care of those things. Let me tell you what faith can do. Faith can transform these little guys that are trying to get these codes out right now. Faith can, can instill something in them that they'll never forget. And faith can move them all the way to where you want to go one of these days, to a home that is not this place, but it's a place that he has prepared for us, that he said that we're all going. That's where the people of faith want to go. That's where I want to go. It's not just to get through today and the normalcy of tomorrow and the ordinary another week, but my faith is in the place that I know that he says he's going to take me one of these days. It's not all going to be this circumstance anymore. We won't have to fight those battles that you're fighting right now, those struggles that you're struggling with right now, those things that you're dealing with. God's going to take you all the way. Unwavering faith, strong faith. It'll affect kids, your grandkids, and everybody that knows the story. That's what faith can do. Would you bow your head with me? morning. Nobody moving real quickly. It's the most important part of the day. Just give me just a moment. I promise to only take about three minutes. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Some of you cannot see past the shadow of your circumstance. But if you will trust Him, your faith will be exposed by your circumstance. Pastor, I just don't know if I have the faith to make it. Yes, you do. Everyone has a measure of faith. You're sitting in a room of other people of faith. Your faith can be encouraged by these people. It should be growing on a daily basis. God can give you great faith, and if that strong, unwavering faith will just continue to be what it is right now, God is going to take you where you never thought that you could go. That journey with God begins with the very first step. If there's anybody in this room who says, I don't know Jesus. I don't know any about this faith business. I don't know what you're even talking about, really. It seems just so theoretical. It seems so religious to me. Friends, my life with God and people around in this room, their, their relationship with God, it's not something about religion. It's about a relationship that we have with our Creator who took what, he, what I brought to Him, which was not a whole lot, and He made me into something that He can be proud of. He loves you today. Young person, He loves you. He gave everything for you. And if you're here today and you'd say, would you help me to know him? You can come to know Jesus today and that journey of faith can begin right at this moment. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. It's a great opportunity. This last Sunday of October. If you're here and you'd say, Scott, would you pray for me this morning that I would begin my journey of faith today? Maybe you don't know him. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want you to recognize your need for him. If you would just say, would you pray for me? And you just raise your hand right now. Is there anybody in this room? You'd say, Scott, would you pray for me? I want to begin that journey. Is there anybody in the room? Anybody in the room? If you'll just hold still a little bit longer, let me ask this question, and then I'll close. There are times in our life when our circumstances overwhelm us and our faith becomes unstable. I focused a lot on that last description of stable, strong faith, unwavering. There may be some in this room this morning say, Scott, my faith hasn't been very stable the last few years, last few months actually. I can see it. Because the circumstances in my life have exposed it not only to people around me, but they've exposed it to myself. I see it. I'm not in the place where I should be with God. I've just stopped pedaling. I stopped, 
I stop letting faith be active and I'm going down the mountain, it's, it's obvious in my life. If you're here this morning and you say, would you, would you pray for me? I want to get, get going again. I want you to raise your hand. Yes, here's, here's, here's some. Here's some already. Yes, yes. Several hands already going up. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. I want you to just raise your hand. Keep your hand raised. Say, say that's me. I'm, 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 I've been a little bit wavering. Back and forth. But, but today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to recommit myself. I just want to, just a moment. Just one more moment. Anybody else? You raise your hand. Yes. Yes, all the way back there in the back. I see your hand. I'm going to renew my faith with him. Start. Every person in this room is praying. I want to pray over you. I don't want anybody to move. Nobody move. Let's pray. Why don't you just pray that commitment to him? And let's start all over. He'll give you another chance. He's not, it's not like he wants you to, he wants to encourage your faith today. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your presence and spirit that we feel today. Lord, I ask that, Lord, that you continue, Lord, to just speak to those, Lord God, who need to begin their journey with you, to start on that journey of faith with you. Lord, I pray that, God, that you'd help those, Lord God, who've raised their hands, Lord, several across this room, Lord, who are just struggling, Lord, with the strength of their faith. God, they, they've wavered. They've, they've kind of waffled back and forth. But Lord, they see it, which is the first step, Lord, in correcting it, Lord. They, I pray that, God, that you'd help them to surrender everything to you again. That they just give up, Lord, all of the worry and the stress and the fear. That they give up, Lord, trying to chase the world. They would chase after you. Oh, God, I pray that you would, Lord, once again, Lord, reaffirm, Lord, their heart, Lord, their commitment to you. Lord, once again, Lord, reaffirm, Lord, their their, their commitment, their, their desire to know you, Lord. Reaffirm in their life their faith, oh God. Replant it, Lord. Replant that faith. Deepen those roots, Lord God, so that they will not waver. Father, I pray that you would just help them, Lord, that from today forward, Lord God, that we, Lord, we would see, Lord, a fresh commitment, Lord, fresh, fresh work of faith in their life. We praise you, Lord, because we know that you are faithful. We know that faith is when we trust God, but faithfulness is when God can trust us. And, Lord, that's what I pray. I pray that, Lord, takes place in this room today. Bless us today. Let us walk out of here as people of faith on this journey. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.